Excited you're here for several different reasons. One is because you just got a beautiful face. And two, uh, it's just fun to be with family and to worship the Lord together. But then three, and we'll end with three, you know there's more things that I'm excited about than just three things. But if the third thing, if I had to end here, I would say I'm excited because today is a very special message. I think that today is just cool because we finish a series today. Today we're going to be finishing up the series called Forward Motion. So if you have one of those note cards, if you have something to write on or your device and you want to just take notes, you can write up at the top, just write forward motion. This is part three of the series. That's why we're finishing it up. It's part three. That means there was two weeks before this. And so we'll review those really really quickly. But as we review, let's have you flip in your Bible to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And if you don't have an old school Bible, you can download the YouVersion Bible app, which is a sweet uh, app that you can literally... Pick your translation and you can jump right to the text which is and have the Bible on you at all times, which is pretty cool. Luke chapter 15 is where we're going to be, but before we dive into that, let's just quick review the last two weeks. Week one, part one of the series, uh, the bottom line, if you were to wrap the message up in just one sentence, it would have been this. Following Christ is about steps, not leaps. If you remember, I gave the illustration of, you know, sometimes in life, when it comes to following Christ, we take one of those big steps forward. But then life happens, temptation happens, and sometimes we take big steps backwards. But then, if we are willing to take a baby step forward, then guess what? We're keeping it moving in the direction of Jesus, which is most important. So, like, if we can keep things in motion, it's very, very important. Even if it's a backward step, at least you know that you're heading the wrong way, right? And you know what you have to do to change it, right? What scares me the most is when we're just not moving. You're not moving towards Jesus. You're not moving away from Jesus. You're just stagnant. You're just here. Let's keep it moving. Even if it's baby steps, small little steps still move you in a direction that will get you someplace, right? And so we want to keep it moving towards Jesus. And so that was week one because it is a journey uh, that never ends until we reach eternity. And on that journey, there are steps that we need to be taken. So that was week one. Bottom line for week two was simply this. The way you get from where you were to where you want to be is one step at a time. Man, did I learn that when we were in that ultra, uh, Bethany. Like, it was like, man, the finish line was way out there. We wanted to cross that finish line, but we couldn't focus on that. We just had to focus on that next step, right? It's just, that's how you, if you want to cross that finish line, then you got to take the next step. The way to know what the next step is when it comes to the journey of following Christ is how? Sometimes it's a little bit confusing. You know that you need to be like Christ, but how do I get there? Well, the cool thing is Jesus, when he left... He sent us a helper. He sent us a coach, a trainer, somebody who can come alongside you and say, guess what? I want to tell you what your next step is. Here's the next step for you. So if you want to get to where you want to be, you know you're here, you know there's farther to go on the journey. And so you're like, how do I do that? Well, you turn and listen to the helper, to the the Holy Spirit. Who is, who is the person that Jesus sent to come alongside you to literally walk you through how to become all that God created you to be? How cool is that? That you don't have to figure it out on your own. That you can actually rely on somebody who is right there ready to talk to you. I think that's pretty stinking awesome. So that was last week. So that gets us all caught up to this week. And so this week we're going to dive into our text here. And this text is actually a story that Jesus told. In other words, it's not a 
true story. This didn't actually happen, but it's a story that Jesus told with a purpose, right? And so we're going to look at the full story. We're going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to come back and we're going to pick it apart. But Luke chapter 15, the story picks up in verse 11, and we're going to read all the way through verse 32. It says this. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and he set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country so, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and I will go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father... I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became very angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. God, we want to invite you into this message to speak clearly to us. We pray, Father, that you open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see, open our minds that we'll be able to understand and then soften our hearts so that we'll be able to receive it. And give us the strength and the courage to put all that you speak today into action. Because, God, we don't want to be just hearers of your word. God, we want to be doers. Help us to be your church. And everybody in this place said... And everybody in this place said... Come on, there you go. I grew up on the West Coast. The West Coast. You got mountain ranges, right? You got the ocean. You got all this beautiful land that is out there. And uh, it's pretty cool because, like, on the West Coast, there's just all this... uh, 
public land, you know, government land. In, any, like, I mean, like here, it's like everybody owns land. It's like that farmer owns this, and it's like you got all these fences, right? But out there, it's like, man, you just drive, pull over, and it's like, man, this is all my land, right? Because the state owns it. And so you can literally go anywhere you want, like, and you can go miles. I mean, I mean, you can drive the logging roads and go explore. You can go off the logging roads into the woods and get lost for miles and miles. And, and the cool thing is the state actually has made what you call trails, right? There's all these trail systems, and there's so many trail systems that you could literally hike a trail every single day and almost never get to all the trails in Oregon. I mean, it's just endless, endless trails. And uh, my, my parents, they love their movers. They're not people that sit around much. They're always on the go. And so as a kid growing up with my parents, we oftentimes got out into the woods and got onto these trails and we would go exploring, right? We'd go on a hike. Now, let me tell you something about my dad. My dad is wired uh, very, uh, he's, he's, he's a antsy, okay? He's going to watch football. He's going to watch you standing up, right? And he doesn't want you to talk to him because if it gets tense, he's going to start moving around. He just can't sit still, right? Uh, he, if he comes over and he's staying at our house, it's like all of a sudden, like he's sitting there on the couch and all of a sudden it's like, hey, where'd dad go? Well, he just went for the walk to take the dog for a walk, right? And it's like, but he just did that 30 minutes ago. But 30 minutes of sitting on the couch was just too much for him, so he had to do it again, right? It's not because the dog has to go to the bathroom. I mean, he just went 30 minutes ago, right? My dad's always on the move. Now, when it comes to hiking trails, my dad would be all about that. But here's the thing with my dad. My dad would see a new trail, get crazy excited about the new trail that we're going to go explore, right? But he would be so focused on the destination that he would literally miss all the trail, right? It would head down. It's like plot on. And it's like, how fast can we get to the destination? Because that's the part that we got to get to in order to really experience the beauty is the destination and we're always like dad pull the reins back i mean like you got to stop and you got to smell the roses the beauty of the trail is not the destination it's in the in between yes the destination is going to be great but like you're missing all the beauty between here and there so don't you know look up and look around it's like you're missing so much and so my dad appreciates the fact that we would do that you know and, and then he would also get irritated when we would like always be like hey pull the reins back pull the reins back slow it down hey look around you're missing you know he's like whatever you know like i want to get there i want to conquer this thing that's just sort of how he is wired and that wiring has most definitely played into my life in a lot of different areas and i I also see with other people how this is approach, an approach that sort of creeps into other avenues of our life. Not just with hiking trails, but other avenues of our life. We have the same kind of approach where we're going to dream a dream. We're going to set a big goal and we're going to say, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to go after, right? I'm going to conquer this goal. I'm going to conquer this dream. I'm going to get there. The destination is all we focus on and our head goes down and we march on, right? We prod on and, and, and we We fear that celebrating any of our accomplishments along the way to get to the the end goal is something that we don't really have time to do or can't afford to do because we know full well that we still have a long ways to go. So stopping to celebrate the little things when we have the big thing here, it's like, I don't got time for that because I got to get the next thing checked off my list. I got to I got to do the next thing. And so we prod on, we prod on, we prod on. I don't know. Have you ever been there? I've been there many times in my life, and and I'm sure a lot of you, too. When it comes to me, 
I have a tendency to set big dreams or dream big dreams and set big goals. Uh, but I also find that in my own life, I also uh, become my own worst critic. Anybody else can relate to that? It's like, it's, it's just something about like, you feel like your best is never good enough. Like I could have done a little something else to, to make it a little bit better. Right now, the truth of the matter is I'm hitting everybody else's standards that were set for me. But the truth of the matter is my standard was still way over here and I wasn't hitting that. And so there's a frustration that comes with that. There's a drive to do something bigger and better and, 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 and you push, right? And, and so because of the fact that I don't meet my own standards, sometimes I end up missing out on all these little moments along the way because I'm too busy thinking about how I could have done it better, right? And uh, I, I have a tendency to drift that way. And, and, and I blame it on my father, right? Because he's driven, right? You know, so I love my dad a, a ton. But, you know, there's something that's just wired in my DNA that goes that way. Now, I, I also have come to realize something else. And what I've come to realize is that the people that I love to be around the most are the people who don't necessarily do that. They're the people who actually seem to enjoy life a little bit more. Not so focused on the end result, but they're sort of enjoying the journey along the way, right? These are, these are amazing people. It's just being around them, it's like, man, I'm enjoying my life more. Why? Because all of a sudden, when they see me do something, even though it's a small thing, they come alongside me and they begin to celebrate that thing. They point it out. Hey, dude, that was awesome. And, and, they, and it's like... Well, yeah, I guess so. It was. And it's like they just breathed life into me. And I'm like, man, you are somebody I want to be around, right? Why? Because you actually are celebrating the little thing, not the big thing, but the little thing that's going to get me to the big thing. And it just, it, it, it literally puts gas in my tank. I'm like, now I can go. Now I can take another step. I can do that next thing. There's something about them that truly is inspiring. And uh, I don't know if you have people like that in your life that come alongside you and just celebrate the little things. And it just like, it, it probably gives you life too, right? I mean, like, it's nice having those people. I want to personally be like that to somebody else. I'm not wired that way. That's my, not, not my natural way of doing things. I'm not somebody who's going to praise the little things all the time. Like, this is something that I'm trying to learn and to become more like. Why? Because it means so much when somebody does it to me. I want to be that person that speaks into other people's lives, sees them doing something, and comes alongside them and says, you know what? Like, I really want to speak life into that. I want to celebrate that because there's just something about that when somebody does it to me that it makes me come alive. And so I'm like, man, let's do that to others. So I admire when I see somebody else doing that. And then the other thing about them is that the, the reason why I admire it so much is because when I stop and I read through scripture, I'm like, I really think that what they're modeling is actually a characteristic of God. And I want to become more like him. Right. And, and I, I see that I'm like, man, yeah, I feel like God is a God who celebrates things. And they're celebrating things. And my tendency is not to celebrate things. But maybe if I want to move to be a little bit more like God, I can be a little bit more like this person. And I can move into being a little bit more celebratory, right? And, and so I'm like, man, when it comes to our faith journey, I mean, like, when it comes to our faith journey, we have a tendency to see all our shortcomings, right? We're like, I know that there's things in my life that I shouldn't do, but there's also things in my life that I want to do. And so we see this version of ourselves that we desire to become because we read through this and we see what Jesus modeled to us. But then all of a sudden we put our heads down and we begin to strive to get to that place. But then it's not too far down the road where we're all of a sudden beating ourselves up because we know that we're not where Jesus was or where Jesus modeled us to be. 
So celebrating the small steps actually feels meaningless because of the distance that we need to travel to become more like Jesus. And so it's hard. It's hard to celebrate those small steps. Not only is it hard to celebrate our own steps, but we also stop celebrating other steps. Because sometimes when it comes to the other person in our life, they're farther along the journey. And you're like, man, I can never get to where they're at. They're so spiritual. They're so this. They're so that. They're so, you know, they're on mile 26, you know, and you're on mile 13. And you're just like, oh, you know, it's just, you know, I can't celebrate their next step because, man, it makes me feel bad, right? Or the other side of it, you see somebody who's on mile one, you're on mile 13, and you're like, I can't celebrate that step because, man, look at all these other things that they need to do, you know? And, 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 and so it becomes difficult for us to celebrate other steps because they're on a different part of the journey than we are. What would happen if we stopped looking at our faith as an accomplishment, as something that we checked off the list? What if we quit seeing the steps that we have yet to take and instead started celebrating the steps that we have taken? What if we took the time to identify and celebrate every moment and every step that is being made in someone else's life, no matter how small that step feels to us? No matter if they're ahead of us, Or way, 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 way behind us when it comes to the journey of following Christ. What would happen? See, to to adopt that kind of thinking for most takes a lot of work. Takes a lot of intentionality. Because the truth of the matter is, I don't think that way of thinking actually comes natural to most. Some might bend naturally that way. But I think most, it's something that they've developed and worked at to, be, to, to sort of work into their life. Because naturally, we have a tendency not to do this. For some reason, most people are hardwired to be hard on themselves. And not only are they hard on themselves, but they're hard on others. But the story that we just read today in our text is a story with a picture that is really, really clear on the importance of celebrating the small steps when you stop and think about it. So just to go back and sort of pick this story apart, this is a story that is one of the more famous stories that Jesus told. Jesus told so many great stories. And when Jesus told a story, we call them parables. And the reason why we call them parables is because every story that he told was more than just a cool story. It was a story that had purpose, right? It had meaning attached to it. There was something that you were supposed to take out of the story and say, hey, I can apply that to my own life. And so sometimes when Jesus told the parable story, uh, he would explain the story afterwards. He would tell the story and then he'd be like, okay, now let me explain why I told you that story and what that story actually means. Other times we see that he would tell the story and just leave it as a story. And you would have to sort of figure out what the story meant, which is sort of cool. But there was always a purpose and there was always meaning behind the stories that he told. And this one is really, really cool because today's story focuses in on a lot of different things. But the main takeaway, the thing I want to focus in on the story today is simply this. It really highlighted the importance of celebrating. And, and so that's what I really want to pull out of the text today is, is the importance of celebrating. 
It really is, is cool because the way that the story ends is so focuses on the importance of celebrating. But in order to get to the end of the story, you have to go back to the beginning of the story, right? Because if you go back to the beginning of the story, what do you see? You see two sons, right? And they're sitting there and you've got the younger son. And the younger son, everybody knows, the younger son was a little bit of a foolish young man, right? He was a little bit wild, a little bit crazy. And he goes to the dad and he says, hey, give me, give me, give me. And dad says, yes, yes, yes. Now, as a father, I don't say this is a great teaching moment as, as, as parenting principles. If your son comes and says, give me, give me, give me, probably don't give me, give me, give me. Okay. Like that's not the best way to parent. But the truth of the matter is this isn't a parenting story. This dad says, okay, son, here you go. And what does the son do? He's foolish with it. He takes all his inheritance. He goes out, he lives wild with it. He takes off for the city. He lives big. He eats all the crazy food. He goes to the crazy pot parties. He, he buys prostitutes and does all this other stuff, right? That was not good. You look at the life that he lived and you say, that was not good decisions that was a little bit foolish on the younger son's part right it's true it's true and so all of a sudden it doesn't take long for him to run out of his inheritance what are the stats i should have looked this up and added this to the message you're like but like the stats of people who win the lottery and just get it it's like crazy how many of them end up back to being really really poor right it's like when something just gets freely given to you all of a sudden, it's very, very easy to spend. Well, that's what happened here. He gets this crazy inheritance. He goes out, spends it wildly, and now he's right back where he was. And it was the worst time to be right back where he was because a famine hits the land. And he doesn't have dad to you know, fall back on. He's not living at home anymore. And so what does he do? He's like, I don't know what to do. I got to find some way to survive. And so he ends up literally selling himself out to be a, a farmer's slave feeding the pigs. So he's out there and he's so hungry, he's wanting to eat the slop that is being fed to the pigs. But even that isn't necessarily allowed. He can't get anything. And so he's literally out there starving to death. And he's thinking back to his father and how his father would treat the slaves the servants in their home. And he's like, man, I would rather be one of them than where I am right now. I'm going to die. Now, when you, when you talk about hitting rock bottom, I think this is a pretty good rock bottom to hit. Like, how much farther down can you go than living and sleeping and eating with the pigs, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty low. And so he hits his rock bottom, and that's the moment that he realizes that he needs to go home. He has a realization. He comes to his senses. He, he's like, man, it is time for me to swallow my pride, to take ownership of my mistakes, and to go back and beg for mercy, plead for mercy from my father so that he will allow me to be a slave in his home. Because that would be better than what I'm doing right now. If I continue down the path that I'm doing right now, excuse me, I'm going to die. So it's time to make a change, a step towards my father for this younger son he didn't see this as a step forward he didn't see this as a step even in the right direction this step was a step of necessity he had no other step to take other than to die so most definitely in his mind he had to take it but as you look you see that the father sees it completely different. Now the big brother saw it the same way that the little brother saw it. This is not a step worth celebrating. This is not a step forward. The older brother, he sees it as something that is in no way even close to something that deserves celebrating. 
Because he's been on the journey doing the right things and the right steps. Forward, forward, forward. And he's so much farther along than the little brother. And so he says, how can you celebrate the fact that he went and lost it all? How can you celebrate the fact that he spent it all on prostitutes? How can you celebrate the fact that he's been out there feeding pigs and living with pigs? How can you celebrate when he has done everything that you asked him not to do? How can you celebrate that? You can't celebrate that. So he looks at that and he says, man, this is not something worth celebrating. Because when you compare it to me, his actions make my actions look really, really good. I've done everything right. I'm the one who has remained faithful. I'm the one who has made smart financial decisions. So if anyone deserves to be celebrated in here in this moment, it most definitely would be me. So the older brother and the younger brother are really on the same page when it comes to things that are worth celebrating. But the father is on a completely different page. The father sees this and he reacts completely different. He sees the son returning as something that is worth celebrating because the father saw this as a step in the right direction. Yeah, it might have been a baby step, but it still was a step in the right direction. It was still an critical step that had to be made in order to get the forward motion to be where he needed to be. So the fact that this son decided to come back was worth the father getting very excited about. And it was worth the father actually throwing a party to celebrate the step that was being made. Now the older son, as we said, didn't understand this, and it bothered him a lot. And so he went out to sort of pout out in the field, and that bothered the father a lot. Because the father's like, how do you not see that this is a very important thing to celebrate? So the father goes out to the older son, and he begins to have this dialogue with the older son. And he's explaining to the older son the importance of celebrating this moment. See, we're going to celebrate this moment. Why? Because your brother was lost, and your brother is now found. See, it has nothing to do with what you've done or what you have not done. It has nothing to do about you. It's all about him right now, and he is making forward motion. He is taking a step in the right direction. So we have to celebrate. We're going to stop long enough in this moment to acknowledge the fact that he has come home. So please, get out of this pit that you're in and come join the party. Come celebrate with us. What a beautiful picture, right? What a beautiful picture of God the Father. See, this father is, Jesus is, is, is telling the story. This father actually represents God the Father. And it's a beautiful picture because it shows that God the Father, he's eager to celebrate with us. He, he's actually looking for excuses to throw parties for the steps that you're making that are forward. That's pretty cool. You want to know something else that I find really interesting about this story? I find it really interesting that Jesus ended it here. Because when you stop and think about it, you're like, okay, the story has, you know, three main characters. There's God the Father, right? And then there's the two sons, the older son and the younger son. And we see the story unfold, but then some questions come into my mind. Does the older son, after the conversation with the father, does he get it? Does he say, wow, you're right, Dad. I, I see that now. I'm going to go join the party. We don't know. 
We don't know if the older son actually got it. We don't know if he had a change of heart and says, you know what, I'm going to go celebrate this because, yeah, dad's right. This is an important thing. If he didn't do this critical thing, if he didn't come home, then we will last him forever. And, and we got to celebrate this. we got to stop and we got to acknowledge the, the fact that this is good. This is better than the pigs. This is better than the prostitutes. This is better than the spending at all. Like, this is good. Let's go celebrate. We don't know if the older son did that. Another thing that we never find out is we never find out if the younger son changed. Yeah, the younger son came home out of necessity. I'm going to die if I don't, right? But did he wise up or did he remain to be foolish? Did he all of a sudden learn from his mistakes, right? Did all of a sudden he have a change of heart and say, you know what, dad, I'm never going to be foolish again. I'm going to do whatever you ask. I'm going to, I'm going to obey you hundred percent because I know you're the wise one. I'm obviously not. And now I'm going to get wise because I'm going to follow in your steps. And I'm going to do what you tell me to do. We don't know if the, the younger son did that. There's a lot that we don't know about the end of the story. Jesus left those parts out of the story. Why? I think he did it on purpose. He didn't want you to think that the celebration was attached to conditions of getting it right from this point on. It wasn't attached to that. It wasn't attached to what you do after this step. It wasn't attached to the next step and the next step and the next step. Jesus is saying, no, when you take one step, even if it's a baby step in my direction, guess what? We're stopping right here and we're going to celebrate that. We're going to celebrate that. Hopefully, yes, there's going to be some more steps in that direction. Hopefully we don't repeat what we just did, right? But I want you to understand, there, that's not attached to the celebration. We're going to celebrate this here and now. So instead, he wants you to see God as somebody who is going to really step into celebrating each and every single one of your steps. Big steps, small steps, baby steps. It doesn't matter. He's going to celebrate. So the father... Goes to the older son and he finishes by telling the older son, this is how the story finishes, the last part of the story. The, old, the father says to the older son, he says, but we had to celebrate and be glad. But we had to celebrate and be glad. I love that. If the father had to celebrate and be glad, we too should have to celebrate and be glad. See, it's easy for us to be oblivious of the steps others are taking around us. But they're also taking steps towards God. There's people that are around you that are taking steps towards God. Yeah, sure, they might not be as much, they, they might not know as much as you know about the Bible. They might not be as connected to church as you are connected to church. They might not uh, meet the same standards that you've set for yourself, right? But the truth of the matter is they are still working at taking their next step towards God. Those small steps are the exact steps that God is using to grow that individual. And God is up there and he is celebrating that step. What if we are a little bit easier on those that are farther behind us on the journey? What if we actually chose to celebrate the step that they're currently on and the step that they're currently making rather than trying to force them to get to where we're at? What do you think... That would do for their next step. 
If you were a runner and you've never ran before and you're thinking about maybe start running and all of a sudden somebody's like, sweet, that's awesome. You're going to run a marathon this week with me. You're like, wait a second, I, I, I've been on the couch, right? I was thinking couch to 5K. Like, wait, wait, wait a second. If they try to force you to do a marathon that week, guess what? You're going to fail and you're going to fail miserably, right? It's not going to be pretty and you'll probably never run again. But if they celebrate the fact that you're starting and they come alongside and say, hey, let's just do a, a half mile today. Let's get two times around the track. Like, like yeah, man, dude, that's awesome. You know, and they, they come and they encourage you, man. I'm telling you, there's more of a likelihood that you're going to get to the 5K and then that's going to move to a 10K. And who knows where that's going to eventually go. There's a process. What would happen? What do you think would happen? If you took that approach to somebody else's faith when it comes to their, their journey that they're traveling, do you think they would be more likely to actually take their next step if we took that approach? I believe that the answer is yes. I also believe that the same goes when it comes to your own life. If you actually stop being so hard on yourself, I believe that you're going to be more likely to take the next step that the Holy Spirit is leading you towards. So let's take some time to celebrate each and every single victory that comes into our life. Because those are the steps that are going to be part of the process that actually makes us go in the right direction. We're going to be making forward motion towards our God if we do the next thing. And as we keep it moving forward, what we're going to discover is something. This is what you're going to discover. You're going to discover that each step has a little different look to it. Every step is going to be a little bit different. So when someone else's step is looking different than your step, it's okay. Because they're on a different part of the terrain. They're on a different part of the journey. And so the step that they're taking is going to look a little bit different than your step. Because it was just a little bit here, a little bit there. But as long as it's forward motion, it's something that is worth us celebrating. So as long as we see that their step, our step is moving towards God, then let us celebrate. No matter how big or how small that step is. Reed, you can come on up. As we close today, I want to point out the amount of grace that is shown to the prodigal son. The prodigal son, I mean, he he really screwed up. (laughs) He got it wrong, big time. But man, the grace that was extended to him. When he came back, he wasn't met with a list of things that he needed to do in order to earn his way back into the family. The only step that he needed to do was to return. And the moment that he took that step, grace was extended. The father didn't wait for him to make it all the way. The father ran to him, embraced him. He had his whole, his whole sales pitch to dad to get him to be a slave. He's like, man, just let me be a slave. I, I'm going to beg people. You know, he started and, and dad didn't hear a thing. Dad just hugged him, kissed him, held him, yells to the servants, quick, quick, sandals, robe. Come on, let's go. Kill the fatty calf. Party right now. Go. Let's go. So beautiful. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you want to return to God. You want to take a step in that direction. To make a decision to take a step towards God is an important thing. If you're here today and you want to give your life to Christ, I just want you to raise your hand on the count of three. You ready? One, two, three. Is there anybody? Awesome. You can look up here. As followers of Christ, we want to 
always find a takeaway from a talk. The last thing I ever would want to do is come up here and share something from God's word and we all leave and we don't have something that we can put to action, right? And that's why we always try to give a cue, an action step that we can put into to action this week. And so our cue that we want to give you this week is going to be this. I want you to take some time to celebrate your own last step. We've been talking about that throughout the series. What's the next step? We've been doing things to try to get us to move. Your step is going to look different than your step. Your step is going to look different than my step. My step is going to look different than your step. So what is that step? The Holy Spirit speaking to you saying, hey, this is your next step. You've identified that. But like, what was the last step that you actually accomplished and you actually did? Think back. Remember it. Okay? Take time to acknowledge it and then celebrate it. Let's get excited about the last step that you took on your journey of following Christ. Let's get excited about it. Tell somebody about it. Hey, guess what? I got to celebrate this. God told me to do this. And all of a sudden I did it. And, and it feels good. It doesn't have to come across as bragging. But let's, let's take some time to acknowledge the fact that we are on a, a in motion moving towards Christ. But then let's also recognize and celebrate someone else's step. Because as a family that comes together, when we watch and when we see somebody actually do something that is a biblical thing, let's come alongside them and say, hey, man. I love it. I think of Charles and how you come in. And when you're here, man, it's helping set up. And like all that you do, man, it's a huge step forward. You are the church. It's not a building. This guy, he takes ownership of everything that happens here. Think of Nick and Sarah. I mean, like, you know, and the fact, I mean, he had to deal with my son last week. which We had a talk when we got home back there in kids. He was just attitude. and <laughs> My son can be PKs, you know. What do you do? Ah, uh, yeah. But I love it. Because there's, I, I, I want Nick speaking into my son's life, right? Mark this morning was walking with my son out there. I'm like, man, Mark, you just invest in my son's life, you know, because my son's just a talker. And he, I'm like, I love this, that we got a family. And there's so many things that I can think of, like of people in our church that are taking steps to being like Christ. And a lot of it's just seeing somebody and knowing somebody and speaking life into somebody. And, and sometimes it's letting go of something. And, and let's find and identify and encourage one another along. Let's do this. Here's the thing. If you do this, I promise you, it will forever change your life. It will forever change your life. And not only will it change your life, but it will probably, if you come along somebody else, it will probably change their life as well. So let's do it. Let's just take a minute here and we'll, uh, we'll just sort of pray this through and then we'll come up and close and give some direction from there.